Tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, we take a look at all the latest news and current events in the AFL. We preview every match this weekend with guys from every board involved in the finals. And we have a cast of thousands to bring you this first ever Big Footy Finals podcast. All that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, tonight's first ever big finals podcast. Uh, I am, of course, uh, the Wookiee, and with me tonight we have a bumper crowd from every finals team represented uh, across every board, except for the Tigers, Um, so make what you will of that. Uh, We did try, but evidently Tugger and Danog are joining Chief in the uh, barrel racing circuit uh, tonight, so uh, it's a big thing. If you're not sure what barrel racing is, uh, there's a big thread on it on the main board. However, in the absence of uh, the uh, supporters of Canada's national sport, we've got other elite cast members. Uh, the regular team in Messenger. Good evening. And the old Dark Neighbours is also here. Hi, everyone. Hola, señorita Messenger. Coming to us... Uh, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> coming to us live from the Middle East, we have uh, SJ from the Geelong and Dream Team boards. Yeah, good afternoon, uh... And uh, especially to Seppo as well. I hope you're packing your scarf this weekend, mate. <laughs> and speaking of Seppo, Seppo's here from the Fremantle board uh, before he uh, sets off on the long journey to Cadinia Park. Yeah, it's uh, looking forward to a big one there on Saturday, but uh, I've done the trek before down to Cadinia uh, Park around 14, so I'm not scared of it. It doesn't hold any fear for me. Probably been to Launceston a few times as well, which is probably worse. Russell yeah. Ebert Russell <laughs> Hamble was here from the Port Adelaide board. Uh, good evening, all, and uh, isn't it great to be talking in September? It must be a bit yes, of a change. Porter, uh, uh, we've got some new blood debuting tonight uh, from the Sydney board. Swan's Rule it makes his first appearance on the podcast. Uh, good evening. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, also from the Magpies board, uh, we've got Hot Pies with Sauce, who'll be making his debut tonight as well. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, also, I'm a South Australian, so if you can keep any mention of barrels to a minimum, because it's a bit of a touchy subject. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Did, didn't didn't think of that. And I'm in Adelaide, so um, although I'm not you know sure, I'm, I'm not sure they're really racing them in Snowtown. I'm not sure, really sure the uh, the, the... Uh, it's 200 kilometres away. All right, they're guys. A bit heavy, so they probably sink. <laughs> All right, guys. Start. Uh... There's lots of news tonight, so we are going to uh, get into that shortly. But first off, your highlights from the weekend. Very quickly, guys. Uh, there's a few of you. Um, so we'll start with ODN. What was your highlight from the weekend? Uh, Carlton had a win. Uh, for we are Carlton, king of the Bradburys, and, and I don't care what anybody says. Um, <laughs> we're in the finals, and uh, a one-point victory after being 39 points down. Uh, they don't come any sweeter than that. Messenger, your highlight from the weekend? It was a double medal week for for Hawthorne. Jared Ruffhead with the Coleman, and uh, in the VFL, uh, Mitch Hallahan was a, in part of the three-way tie for the Liston medal. Well, nice work, nice work, nice work. Uh, Seppo, your highlight from the weekend? Uh, well, this is quite uh, controversial here. My highlight was actually the loss to St Kilda. Now, the reason why I say this is 
being at that game, I knew the result going through. I actually changed my tip to St. Kilda and threw some money on them. The atmosphere there felt like a European testimonial football game with Ross Lyon sending off Blake, Cozzy and Mill. And I really couldn't give a stuff about the result because I knew my team was in finals. It was so funny to watch the way the game planned out and cheering even the opposition for uh, the guys uh, retiring. It was a great day. Excellent. And uh, Swans rule, your highlight from the weekend? Uh, probably the Swans actually putting in a half-decent competitive effort against the almighty Hawks and then seeing Buddy Franklin get suspended for a week and not having to worry about him this week. That was my highlight. And uh, Russell Ebert Hamble, what was your highlight from the weekend? Oh, it's got to be player management, doesn't it? Bruce Free Footy for uh, finals teams. <laughs> and uh, Hot Pies with Sauce, your highlight from the weekend? Uh, I think it's got to be probably the most professional game of uh, touch footy I've ever seen between North and Collingwood. I think <laughs> at, uh, at one stage a player got tackled and the umpire called a contact foul. Uh, my highlight from the uh, weekend not being football related of course uh, a particular thread on the big footy board uh, I think it's the thread I think I I said it was the thread that we needed and the one that we uh, probably deserved um, was the uh, Rene Tong thread on the on the uh, on the main board which apparently came from uh, to us courtesy of uh, the uh, Bay 13 board I think originally but uh, just some of the comments that were made in there and and having the woman who was accusing us all of being irrelevant was uh, kind of amusing for a while before it got sad near the end. But um, just outstanding highlight there. Good work for everybody involved. And uh, we'll actually be getting an interview with uh, Renee tomorrow, which will be put up uh, on Big Footy tomorrow night, hopefully. And uh, that should be riveting stuff. Prosecutor will be doing that. And, you know, his team didn't make the final, so he's not on tonight. So um, I just wanted to ask, are you sure you weren't all that keen on the uh, Saints, Saint Lights Dwarf on Fire thread? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, no, didn't. I was hoping we'd have some prodigy to kick us off tonight, a bit of Firestarter maybe? or <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't really make dwarf, my list of highlights. Dwarf. <laughs> I, th- I, did, I did find it funny though that when the Sunday footy show interviewed the uh, little guy that was with him, um, he was laughing as well. <laughs> if, you, if you look at the little guy in the interview, he's trying not to laugh the whole way through. So um, it can't have been that serious um, if everyone was laughing about it. And even the, even the, the guys on Talking Footy on Monday night were having a bit of a crack at it. But uh, Yeah, Demetrio had a bit of a chuckle then when he got told the news. It was just funny to see him almost lose it I, as well. I think it's just a, it's one of those headlines that lends itself to amusement. I don't think it's necessarily insensitive. I just think it's the kind of thing that you look at and go, Really? Exactly. Well, you could replace Dwarf with anything else, and it would have been funny to hear that someone got set set alight, although no harm came to them. Yeah, so... Didn't didn't Uh, stop Robbo from having another shot. Didn't stop Robbo from having another shot. St Kilda did have to bring the fire at some stage this season, didn't they? Well, (laughs) you never had a better chance. They're not very good at professional football. I think... Damn straight, they're not very good at professional football. I think if there was a football-related highlight for me, though, it was uh, Cozzy kicking a goal that turned out not to be a goal and all the celebrations that went along with that as well. Um, It sums it up. Yeah, and as as they said on numerous shows, it pretty much summed up uh, Cozzy's entire uh, career. It was almost there. And, uh, yeah, it just needed the goalpost to fall over on his head, didn't it? <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> we usually yell out, where's your sense of theatre goal, umpire? Now you have to say, where's your sense of theatre video, umpire? It just doesn't roll off the tongue. 
No. All right, there's a, a lot of news has happened since uh, we were last on. Uh, Richmond have qualified for their first finals appearance since 2001, uh, having finished fifth this year. There's no one here from Richmond to talk about that, so we're going to ignore it. Um, Fremantle, though, uh, have been in the news quite a bit, not least because they rested 12 players on the weekend, but also because... Uh, they were not a little angered by the AFL's relatively late decision to play the Geelong home final at Cadinia Park this weekend with very little notice. Um, Geelong have a very good track record there. Uh, the capacity is much lower than the MCG already had. Um, Ross Lyon described the stadium as being rural. Uh, Frio fans are up in arms as they believe that only Fremantle would be asked to play a home final there. Um, the AFL says the decision was merited given Geelong finished top and the crowds in previous years were inflated with MCC ticket holders. So... Uh, Seppo, I'm going to throw this over to you first, and then uh, we'll talk to SJ, um, SJ about this as well. But uh, what are your thoughts on the on the, on the Frio situation? Well, it's interesting because I actually um, caught up with Steve Harris, um, our president, just before the game, and we were discussing the the option before it was actually announced, confirmed was actually going to be down there, and it was just interesting the um, the feeling that they've just tried to do everything um, possible to try and convince the AFL it should be at. Eddie had an MCG and, and how it's thrown on them late. And there's there's obviously more than just the... Um, obviously, the players don't give us stuff where they play, but for fans and, and for other things like the, the logistics of actually getting down there and the other thing they need to do at short notice, that, you know, they've, they've given them six or seven days now with the confirmation of that location for um, them to organise, you know, corporate events and the travel and, and all the other things that go behind the background. It's actually quite interesting to hear from him how involved it is and obviously this got thrown on them late which sort of you know, upset a lot of us um, for even just fans being able to travel and obviously that affected the ticket allotment for how many people would actually take it up and it's actually just in, interesting to hear during the week um, the whole progress of the, the sales on and when it went, you know, 9am obviously Melbourne time tickets went on sale but that's 7am in, in WA and by 11am over there it was open to the public so it's a very short window of time the tickets actually got to go on sale to members and it's quite interesting to hear the people that actually missed out on that um, obviously you know some shift workers or people that couldn't find flights and accommodation because it, it's a bit harder in Geelong and obviously have to factor in a bit of travel um, it's quite interesting how it all sort of played out but I'm lucky enough I secured my ticket so it's um yeah it's interesting. Okay, and SJ, uh, what are your thoughts on the Cadinia Park thing? Uh, yeah, it's. I think it. I think a bit much has been made out of it, to be honest. I, I certainly understand, um, sort of both points of view. I, I do think that the capacity or, or the crowd would have been bigger had they hosted it. Eddie had this weekend. It, w- it wouldn't surprise me if we got thirty-five, forty thousand, maybe even a little more. However, um, y- you know, this is. It, it, I feel that the AFL's got a sort of a, an underlying motive there of they're looking ahead to when GWS and Gold Coast are going to be hosting finals probably in the next few years. And I, I do believe that there's a bit of um, setting a precedent here. And they sort of, the situation's fallen into their lap where they've got three big uh, Melbourne teams hosting games at the G this weekend. They've seen Geelong, you know, being the fourth one. They've, they've got Geelong, Geelong's got Fremantle as an opponent. I thought, mm, I know what we can do here. We can set a nice little precedent, get away from Eddie Aid where we're not going to make many, you know, many dollars anyway, and uh, set us up for the future. So next time, no one's going to question it. Um, but I don't really think it matters in, in the big scheme of things. Um, I think Geelong's home homegrown record 
uh, down there is a little bit overblown. Um, who knows, actually, if we play better there or not. We've won a lot of games there, but we've won a lot of games everywhere. So, um, yeah, I think Fremantle is still a, gr- a big show. Show There's still uh, tickets on sale tomorrow. 1,200 are going on sale. If you're around in uh, Victoria, Fremantle fans, come down. It's a great footy ground, and uh, let's have a great game. Okay, fair enough. Any you, uh, you guys want to weigh in on this? Can, can I'll actually just... Uh, I'll just um, quickly add in something. I, the the biggest conspiracy I heard this week circulating uh, on our board was um, the actual cash grab. And the reason why they've um, the AFL's actually looked into this is to um, obviously there's an accountant sitting there and look at the overspend they've had on legal fees this year with the Essendon case. They've um, taken this opportunity to actually put a bit more money in their coffers, obviously with the uh, um, stadium agreement. And downside is that Eddie had actually have to pick up another game in next year's fixture. So it'd be interesting to see if Geelong get a couple more games that Eddie had. I don't know how it works out, but the agreement will be uh, interesting to say the least that there's, you know, Eddie has not been used this weekend and there's some reason for it. Yep. you were going to say something? Yeah, I've got two questions, I guess. If uh, Frio fans were to travel in large numbers, let's say 5,000 wanted to attend and they all jumped online earlier, one, would have they been allowed to have bought 5,000 tickets? And secondly is... Um, do you think that maybe part of the reason they went down there is a bit of a up yours to the WAFC, who for the second year, and I think it's a four-year contract, have booked the Wallabies in September, and almost the attitude, well, you know, if you guys don't give us stuff about keeping the finals uh, free uh, in September or the ground free in September for finals, well, then we'll be tough on your team and they can travel to a regional centre and, you know, it's bad luck they're not going to play in the best stadium in the land. Seppo, you got any idea what that Well, the, the interesting thing I heard actually just yesterday with um, the WAFC, I think, being blamed for the stadium booking, was actually the tourism minister for WA that actually sorted out the um, the agreement with the Argentina-Australia um, rugby game there. So they actually sort of slipped it through and organised that deal quite a few years. And I think it's due to expire next year. So next year, if... Frio and Eagles somehow make the final. It's not going to happen for the Eagles, but um, it's going to make massive problems next year as well because the agreement stands for next year. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, how they treat it. Demetrio said on Talking Footy on Monday night that apparently uh, rugby won't move the game at all. Um, they won't even move it to the Sunday from the Saturday. If they'd move it to the Sunday, it would apparently solve everything, but they won't. E- they won't even do that, even though there's a 13-day break between Wallabies games. So. Um, it's 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 going to be a little bit pear shaped again next year, not least because uh, next week, for instance, uh, the Swans are going to be faced with a similar dilemma in that rugby uh, league have uh, priority call on ANZ Stadium, and uh, that's going to come to a head next week. Uh, and there's nothing the AFL can do about it. Um, the, Demetrio has said that they're prepared to put up a temporary light tower if necessary at the SCG and play in front of 33,000. Um, whether whether that happens or not is another story, but that will happen next year as well. So, interesting times for uh, clubs. Seppo, not... can I just ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. Just as you know, as someone you know, you've got your Fremantle hat on. Um, there's been a lot of different, I guess, complaints that I've seen thrown up this week from Fremantle fans. And look, I understand that it's not ideal. It's not what you're expecting, but. As a Fremantle fan and someone who who has a lot of friends that support the Dockers, what do you think is the key issue that Fremantle, um, you know, has has a problem with? Because I've heard things like, "Oh, we can't get there." Well, I think you can get there. 
oh, there's not enough tickets. Well, there is still enough tickets because they'll be on sale again tomorrow. Oh, you know, it might rain. Well, I don't think that's an issue. It, like all these things, what is actually the biggest issue for you personally um, that you have a problem with? Um, probably the late notice and um, probably the timing of it and how the AFL turned on its head, you know, when only three or four weeks ago said it wouldn't be played down there. Obviously, if you, you have a bit more time and even the club said communication out weeks, not a week in advance to saying, you know, register for tickets um, for, you know, cheer squad members and corporate events only listing, Eddie had an MCG as available thing. So it's obviously just the timing of it. If they said at the start of the year, there will be a chance that, you know, finals will be played. And, and from my point of view, I think it's probably a year too early. Like if they had completed that stage four um, section of the upgrade at Cadinia Park, like I say, I was down there and sat in that open, undeveloped area of the stadium, and it felt like almost, um, you know, York Park down in Tassie. I've done that um, trip down to Launceston, and that howling wind you get across the undeveloped open side of the ground, it's, it's not comfortable. And I reckon they need to complete that stage four to make it a real viable, um, nice sort of stadium to go down and, and, and see finals. All right, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, that's fair enough. That, that's where my seats are as well. And I, and I, I know it's pretty cold, and I agree with you that uh, it's been a bit slapdash the way the AFL's handled it. Okay. We're going to move on to uh, the next item in the news, and that is uh, the last regular season match has been officially played at Amy Stadium with uh, Carlton defeating the Port Adelaide Power by a point. Yay us. Uh, Carlton were the first travelling side to win at Football Park in 1991, and now they are the last. Uh, they kicked exactly nice the stuff. same score in both matches, if you're wondering. Um, R.E.H., Russell Ebert Handball, your thoughts on how uh, the future looks in terms of uh, football in South Australia and playing at Adelaide Oval, I guess. Um, well, Adelaide Oval is going to be great in the city, new stadium, shiny new stadium and all the fancy facilities. Stadium deals still haven't been signed. They're still uh, negotiating, uh, despite the fact that we were told that um, the licences will be sorted out by 30 June uh, 2012 and the stadium deal should be sorted out by the end of 2012. And I know we'll get on to it later, the reserves, but all three things tie into each other because it all involve money and structure of the sandfall. Um, you don't look at half a billion dollar gift horse in the mouth uh, that the SA government have given uh, to the stadium. Uh, both clubs will do better financially, but the uh, SA and FL still got its snout on the trough. The, uh, the SMA, the body that um, officially runs the stadium, which is the joint venture between the Cricket Association and the Football League, they'll, uh, they'll get a nice, uh, well, they've got costs because... Um, you know, you, you can't keep on employing the groundsman by the sacker or the sandfall, so a whole lot of people become come under the books of the SMA, so they've got to make money out of the stadium. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm not a hater of football park like a lot of port people. Uh, I'm not a lover of the sandfall either and their stadium deals and everything like that, but, uh, you know, I've seen plenty of good games, even though I lived in Sydney for 18 years there um but there is something special about adelaide oval you know when i was a kid there i uh, put in the sandfall had two years there as home games and i went there and i played on there a couple of times as mini league and the cricket so finally after bradman died uh there's been a reconciliation between cricket and footy and um as long as uh, the sma the four cricket guys and the four footy guys get on well it should be great for the next 30 40 years so it needs an upgrade. 
Okay, while we've got you, the uh, the reserve situation, what exactly is is Port doing here? Like, I know Adelaide have come to an agreement. Uh, they'll put a team in. They'll be the away team all year. Um, what, what What's Port's situation at the moment? How close are we to getting that resolved? I don't know. Um, supposedly the board looked at it on Friday, and Keith Thomas in his uh, in his emails, and I checked his previous mail, email the week before, he said the board will look at it on Friday, and then on Friday morning he said, contrary to popular belief, we were never going to vote on it. Um, basically it means, does, does, the, does the board of directors go ahead to killing off effectively a football club? Uh, the port board don't want to do it. The membership, the fans, the supporter base are sort of split because some don't really care anymore about the Magpies. Some do, but aren't super passionate about it. Um, we don't. We the, the final deal or the potential final deal hasn't really been um, uh, put out to the public. So part of me says we should stay in the Sandfield because look, we help. We were a foundation club. It's cheaper there than to play in the VFL. And part of me is almost like say F you to the Sandfield because all these conditions, you know, you've got to tie in for 15 years, that you've got to play to the line, you can't put players in injured or you have to get the doctor of the Sandfield to, um, if you want to put in players earlier. There's, there's all these conditions. There's a big part of me that says, you know, just get away from all the bullshit. But, you know, you've got guys over in the west coast of um, South Australia who we've over 40 years built up a relationship with and the players come through and you've got the people who are close. All I can say is I don't think it's a smart thing to kill off a football club. There's sporting associations, you know, the Lions and Rotary, all those sort of associations where people have links and they go back and they met the people that they married, uh, they played there, they were involved in, in community activities. Um, you know, people say, oh, even Port Sports, oh, they should kill them off, that doesn't matter. I have a problem with that because uh, community-type clubs, I don't, think, I don't think a greater body should just say, kill them off. I mean, I think if you talk to Fitzroy fans, that, they're disappointed, obviously, that uh, Fitzroy folded and went out of the uh, um, AFL, but really there was nothing left, and it took sort of die hard several years later to reform the Fitzroy Football Club and stick it into the Victorian Ammo Association. Um, so, as I said, I'm sort of torn. I'm, unfortunately, in South Australia, as you, as you know, Wookie living here, it's it's not a one or two step, when it comes to football and SA, it's not a one or two step process. It's a bloody 15 step process. And I think we're at about step seven or eight of it. Oh, sorry. I wouldn't mind mentioning as a, um, as a South Australian resident, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to Adelaide Oval sort of being the home of football because not for any, you know, particular sort of um, interest in South Australian politics or anything like that, but just so I can get pissed at the footy and I can stumble into the city without having to find a train or a bus or, you know, some way of getting the into the city after an hour's transport and then my buzz wearing off. That's really just my own selfish reason that I'm really looking forward to a city <laughs> stadium. Those priorities well, as, as the operator <laughs> of a budget motel 50 metres from Adelaide Oval, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, and and I, think, I think that's part of why Adelaide Oval will, for the first few years, the crowds will be bigger because of the simplicity. The last We're not going to get many Friday night games, so you know people aren't going to be stumbling down from 
work. But the simplicity of getting into town, there's a lot of people in the eastern suburbs of Adelaide who don't want to travel to Football Park. Oh, because it's a 15-kilometre drive, it's a 20-kilometre drive. They'll now come to the footy on a casual basis, not necessarily week in, week out, but, you know, that last-minute sort of purchasing decision uh, all the marketing guys talk about, that'll happen. Well, being able to walk straight over from the train and everything will help that hugely as well. But uh, all right, we're going to move on to uh, the next item, and that is uh, the Norwich Rising—not the Norwich Rising Star, geez, the NAB Rising Star. <laughs> um, I'm behind the times, stay, people. Stay in yourself, behind the times, the NAB Rising Star for 2013 has been awarded today. Uh, Jago Mira from the Gold Coast has won that uh, with 44 votes, ahead of Brad Crouch from Adelaide with 31. Um, Ollie Wines featured pretty highly with 26 and everyone else finished uh, way below there. Aaron Mullet, Tom Mitchell, Nick Floston, Lockie Whitfield, Brody Grundy and Sam May. So congratulations, Jago O'Meara, I guess. Thoughts before we move on? Well deserved. He's an absolute gun. Nothing more can be said, really. Yep. Actually, the only other thing is, is, is it Jaeger? O'Meara first, daylight second. Look, I'm not, I'm not German or Russian or whatever he is. It's Jager. It's, it starts with well, I'd Jager. I'd be correcting everyone and saying Jager instead of Jager. But that's, um, that's because you drink Jager. Jager yeah, might. <laughs> I, I had a little bit of his speech on AFL360 tonight, and he said, no, it's Jager, and then he had a go at his parents for coming up with strange names for his two sisters. So <laughs> Mum and Dad pr- pronounce it with a J, not a Y. The things we inflict on our children. Um, guys, uh, the All-Australian team has uh, been announced, the initial 40-man squad, uh, the top four sides. Sorry, Wookie, can I just go back one? I just want to make a comment. How can Cameron Ling not give a vote to Ollie Wines? That, that's my only comment okay. on the whole thing. Fair, fair enough. I don't know. I can't speak for him. Um, <laughs> the All-Australian team has been announced... Uh, top four sides, uh, including Hawthorne, Geelong, Fremantle and the Swans, have provided half of the players um, in the squad of 40. 25 of the players are nominated for the first time. Um, and they included Greater Western Sydney's uh, Jeremy Cameron, um, who could become the first giant to win All-Australian selection, and deservedly so, I think. Um, yeah. Gary Ablett is the oldest, I believe. Um, and he's reasonably sure to get his seventh consecutive All-Australian selection, which is pretty damn good. Um, Corey Enright, Lance Franklin, Nick Rewalt, Dane Swan uh, could all make their fifth All-Australian sides. And uh, North Melbourne was interesting, with four players nominated despite finishing 10th, while Richmond and Carlton, who finished, uh, well, fifth and (laughs) technically eighth, I suppose, um, didn't receive any nominations whatsoever. And, uh, yeah... So, I think the biggest robbery of all was uh, Liberatore. Even from a Freo fan, I'd take yeah. Mundy out and put Liber in there. Lib- Liberatore definitely missed out there. Um, any other thoughts, guys? No Richmond oh, players. Richmond, yeah. yeah, yeah. One one Richmond defender of, of um, Hurley, uh, Hurley um, Greg, and um, Morris. One of those three was not to make the 40. I'm not saying they should be in the 22, but... Mm. Um, they're as good as any other of the five small, medium defenders that are named. I know we at Carlton uh, are of the belief that, um, well, some people at Carlton are a belief that Andrew Walker was a bit stiff to miss out, but he had a he had a bit of a slow seconds half of the season, so. Sorry? Statistically, Simpson had a bit. Sorry, go on, Nadia. 
Yeah, no, you're right, mate. Kate Simpson was good in the second half of the year, but very slow to start. But uh, Walker statistically was right up there with Malcheski and um, and Hibbard. And Hibbard's probably one that's really unlucky. Um, and I've got a feeling just with Jay Watson was the only Essendon player named, I believe. And I know they fell away in the last month, but you kind of get the feeling that the AFL didn't really want to include too many Essendon players on that side. Yeah. Well, I think there was probably a compelling case to, to I mean, Essendon fell away so badly, they're all tarred with the same brush. And, and um, when Carlisle, Carlisle was probably the other one who could have been considered stiff and he fell away badly in the last six to seven weeks. Um, as From a Hawthorne point of view, I think perhaps Luke Hodge, I don't think Luke Hodge will make the 22, but I, I look forward to them working out a way to keep Sam Mitchell out of the 22 yet again. Um, you can come second in the Brownlow, you can be the best and fairest of a team that finishes top of the ladder, but you can't get an, an All-Australian jumper, so we'll see. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and after we come back, we're going to look at the uh, matches coming up this weekend. This morning from the strangest dream I was in the biggest army the world has ever seen We were marching as one on the road to the Holy Grail Started out seeking fortune and glory It's a short song but it's a hell of a story when you spend your lifetime trying to get your hands on the holy grail but have you heard about the great crusade we ran into millions and nobody got paid yeah we raised four corners of the globe for the holy grail
back and we're talking uh, the finals matches on the weekend. There's four very big matches. Well, there's three very big matches and one rather small match, um, if you believe the AFL. Uh, of course, Hawthorne play Sydney on Friday night. Geelong play Fremantle on Saturday. And uh, Port Adelaide play Collingwood on Saturday night. Richmond play Carlton on Sunday um, if you're looking to buy tickets for these matches, we are told as of today that there are still good seats available for Hawthorne v Sydney and Port Adelaide v Collingwood, but uh, there are no public tickets remaining for the Sunday game between Richmond and Carlton, and uh, there are no tickets at all available for Geelong and um, uh, Fremantle. Um, if there are tickets available, by any chance, they'll be available Thursday morning, which is probably when most of you will... Uh, get around to listening to this anyway but uh, we're going to look at some of the games coming up after whoever's dying in the background stops dying um that'd be good <laughs> and, um geelong uh we're gonna look at the geelong game first they play Fremantle at uh Kidinia park in uh, circumstances which we've already mentioned the last five times they've played um geelong and Fremantle have played some very close games um that's me not being able to add if you're wondering um last time they played geelong 11 9 85 defeated Fremantle 7 2 44 at this very stadium um last time they met in the final Fremantle defeated geelong 14 12 96 uh, against 11 14 80 at the mcg um they've never played in a final at kidney park because let's face it no one has um Going to leave it up to Seppo and SJ to take it from here, but uh, the, and they're going to give us our best pitch on how we can expect the game to go on the weekend. We'll start with uh, Seppo as the away point, as the away team, and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, well, this is um, a quite interesting one. If anyone else gets a time, head along to the Freo board and have a look at our uh, preview for this thread. We've done something different this year and grabbed about eight, eight or nine different posters with a certain section, and they've really taken it to task and come up with a great preview of all we've different sections we've even got a, a bohemian rhapsody style song um by our cassius who's thrown some frio lyrics in there when it's a, a great read get on board to that to uh, see it but the guys have done a great job in terms of uh pitching our case to um frio to be able to win this game and a lot of it revolves around our inclusions this week where we could be re- making a record 11 changes um which we did last week it was going to be 12 but we actually bought someone out that was back in the side um, so this is going to be quite interesting because from the last time we played down at Skilled Stadium in round 14 this year, we didn't have Fife, Barlow, Mundy, Sandlands, Pavlich, uh, Spur, one of our great defenders, was a laid out, and we had Duffield injured in the second quarter, which um, I remember severely costing me my Supercoach game that round. But um, it's going to be a different side. Um, and likewise for Geelong, they have some different players in there. But for us... Um, the biggest point for us is is having some rest into our core group of midfielders and forwarders and defenders. It's really going to um, take it right up to Geelong down at that stadium, and it's going to be great to see some of these matchups that have played out in the last few games. The injured Tomahawk versus the injured McFarlane, or Crowley to put the clamps down in Selwood, and um, a lot of uh, matchups during the ground, but it, it's interesting a stat I found today, um, looking at the ruck stocks of Geelong, that Sandlands has every other Geelong ruckman or player out there covered by 13 centimetres. So it's a great hot advantage we're actually going to go into this game with. So I'm hoping for some dry weather, and uh, even though we've got a style that's going to suit wet weather footy, um, 
it'll be interesting to see how it actually sets up on the day for that two o'clock start. All right. Now, SJ, what are your thoughts? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, I think we'd need to, to uh, be a little bit more, I guess, efficient and aggressive than we were against Brisbane last week. Um, obviously, same venue, um, similar team. We can only expect maybe one or two changes. I think uh, probably Cam Guthrie will come in for Taylor Hunt, and then it's maybe one or t- another change or so on the fringe. But apart from that, we played a pretty settled team last week. So um, we were lucky to not lose that game against Brisbane. Um, many of you would have seen they had a shot to win with five or so seconds left and almost pinched another one from us. Um, but it's interesting this year that the Cats have, I think against the top nine teams, uh, that's including Essendon, uh, just outside the eight. We've only lost one match against all those nine teams. We've lost um, three others and also had some close close games against the lower teams. I'm not sure if this is a mental thing. Um, if some of the younger sort of uh, the younger teams with young, fast midfields but generally not a strong team overall run us off our legs a bit, which I feel is a bit of a is a bit of a thing, particularly in terms of Brisbane and North Melbourne. That sort of style um, we struggle with. But we have been applying some great defensive presses uh, in our forward line, except we just don't seem to get the results from that. Uh, we can keep a team bottled up in their back line for five minutes or so and, and not get a goal out of it, kick a point or two and, you know, ball up after ball up. And then as soon as we lose the footy, bang us at the other end. And, and that's why sort of Ash McGrath kicked six last week and Angus Monfries kicked seven against us a few weeks ago and... When these players are loose, one out in their own 50 and the ball comes down there quickly from a fast break, I think that's where we struggle. So we need to make sure that when we go forward, we're actually kicking goals. And Personally, I wouldn't play Tom Hawkins this week. Um, it's been a big topic on our board um, for the last sort of month or so. He's actually got, well, I believe he's lost a lot of mobility even in the last month. Um, he's kicked three goals in the last month, averaging about two and a half marks a game. You know, you could almost put a, a cardboard cutout down there and he'd do just as much. People argue that he, he makes a contest and these sort of things, but, I mean, if that's what you're hoping for against against a quality side with a great back line in a, in a qualifying final, then, gee, I reckon almost anyone else could do that. Um, so, personally, I wouldn't play him. Um, the problem is there's not a great swap because we've sort of got three second rucks running around anyway and some of them are half forwards and half rucks and... We don't have a first ruck either, so there's no real key position forward to come in and take his right spot. Um, you could throw Vardy down there, but he's only played about sort of three or four games in the forward line across his AFL career. Uh, so the option is to stick with Hawkins, throw a, a young kid down there in, in his first game for a while, or, um, you know, move Harry him Taylor and up play there. more mobile forward line. Sorry? What about Harry Taylor? Get him out of the back line. Oh, I'd like to see that, to yeah, see if you look, can go J-Pot J- and Harry Taylor up there. Yeah, I, I think that's going to happen at some point during the game, but I don't think you can rely on that as, as a match-winning strategy when, I mean, Frio is a good team and you probably need you probably need Taylor down there in the back line for most of the game. So um, it's been tried, and I'm sure it will be tried for, for certain patches, but I don't think you can sort of set that as your, your starting forward line and um, leave Lonergan and maybe Rivers as your... Your, your two key posts, particularly when they're going to have Sanderlands and Pavlich and maybe a, another resting Ruckman down there, which is a fair bit of height. Um, yeah, so I'm sure that will happen, but I, I can't see that being a, a sort of a game plan, A. Eh? All right, guys. Um, quick thoughts uh, from the guys that aren't involved in this. Anything? 
It, it takes it a good side to win my... down at Simmons. Sorry, say that again. It takes a very good side to win down at Simmons, and I can't remember who did it last, but they must have been pretty darn good to beat Geelong down there. Well, Brisbane came in an inch of its life and done it. Sydney? Sydney last year? Sydney two years ago, but I mean, Brisbane almost did it on the weekend. I don't think it's as hard as everyone makes out because often we do beat a Gold Coast or a GWS or someone down there. I don't know if we do play any better down there. Maybe the crowd's worth a goal or two more, but um, we've played some great games away from Simmons as well. So, um, look, it's obviously a very, very strong streak, but at the same time, many teams have pushed us down there in that time, and we've just got over the line in quite a few of them. All right. When 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 Freo played Port a couple of weeks ago, the thing that really impressed me and I was sort of almost in awe of was as soon as Port got a free kick or were paid a mark, the hard running back from must have been like ten players from Freo to sort of set up a press or the old wall or a zone. I think I think that'll be the key because um, you know the grounds are both long, both Subiaco and and, Sim, and the Simmons, and I think that. I think Geelong start favourites, but it wouldn't surprise me if Freo get up if they if they can get back the way they they do it um, at, at uh, Subiaco slash Patterson's if we're getting spot paid by sponsors here. Um, they'll make it hard. They'll make it hard for Geelong, even though Geelong have a have a natural advantage down there. Okay, who's going to win? They this will, one? and also they've got those small forwards and or half forwards that. You know, generally, when we concede scores, it's those sort of players kick goal against us. So we'll have to shut them down. But also, I think we need to, uh, in the same way, our sort of half forwards or small forwards are going to need to kick a lot of goals because I don't think we'll be getting many from our tools. Okay, yeah, Walters and Ballantines have caused a lot of hassle. So that's that's our firepower up there. I'm predicting Freo by um, a close 12, 13 point margin. Okay. Anyone else want to have a stab at the margin? I'll say Cats by about the same. I think Geelong. Uh, I think it, it's a show. I think Fremantle are an exceptionally good side. They've just unfortunately run into the best team in the comp on the yeah. first final. I think they'll yeah, get done. That'd be my assessment. Anyone else? Yeah, Geelong. Geelong kicking away late to win by about twenty. Oh, so it looks like we're going for Geelong here. Sorry, Seppo. <laughs> That's how that is. Seppo, are you okay, mate? I'm oh, all right. Move on. <laughs> the AFL against the I'm sure it's podcasts. You can deal with that, too. All right. And thank you very much for SJ for coming on tonight, um, live from the Middle East, to, to do this uh, coverage. He'll be leaving us at some point in the near future. Um, we're going to move on to the first game for the weekend, and that was Hawthorne, Hawthorne v. Sydney, uh, which will be played Friday night. Basically a repeat of last week's, but at a different venue. So... Um, where are we? Editing is great. Editing is great. I love editing. <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. All right, last time these two sides played was last week, uh, where Hawthorne defeated the Swans 112 to 100 at ANZ Stadium. This game will, of course, be played at the MCG on Friday night. We've got Messenger and we've got Swans Rule on here. And uh, they're both going to tell us all about uh, their respective sides' chances. And we'll start with Swans Rule as the guest. And how do you see this game? Um, well, I was a lot more optimistic going into last year's final series, despite the similar form line, because we, we had played a lot better. Um, people have been talking a lot about our injuries. And, yeah, we have a few, st- a few stars out. But um, it's probably been <clears throat> the lack of form 
LRT is a star. We've had um, the lack of form from our key players the last month that has seen us probably fall away, and we're lucky to have slid into fifth thanks to the results of other teams. But last week I thought we showed a few signs that some of those key players were getting back into a little bit of form, and by that I mean Jack was getting a bit of the ball, McVeigh, O'Keefe did a pretty good job on Mitchell, um, and, and some of those players, Parker got a few goals, Kennedy was back in touch, so... They were good signs. Um, last week's game, though, we controlled the tempo and we probably turned into a bit of a slog stoppage fest and stopped Hawthorne from getting that run and precision footy that they're good at. And then, unfortunately, they were able to turn it on for about six minutes and win the game, which is a concern. Um, our record would be the top eight this year, which I get told about quite regularly. We've only won three games against the top eight. We haven't beaten anyone in the top four. So I think all the pressure's on Hawthorne this week. We're the underdogs, and I think we're happy with that. Uh, I think it comes down to, I've put it into a simple equation, it's Tippett minus Franklin plus Rioli minus Smith, who normally beats him, plus Hanabry plus Jetta, gives the Swans a chance at a win this week. Tippett frees up White, who I thought, despite being a spud for the last five years, and a list clogger has actually shown a bit of form recently and even kicked two goals last week. And... Um, Tippett will draw the defence away. Maybe White can be a bit of an X factor. Franklin out. The, the advantage is Richards goes to Roughhead because Grundy, that was a terrible game on Roughhead last week. So often Roughhead outmarked small people like Rampy and one mark he took over um, Parker. So Grundy played his lazy style as per usual. We've got Mumford and Pike, the big Canadian. Um, I don't know why he wasn't in the All-Australian side. He must be a shoo-in for the All-Canadian, but they should be able to take <laughs> Hale and Bailey. Uh, O'Keefe tags Mitchell Delivery into the forward line will be pivotal We've just taken to turning around and bombing it in And hoping Kurt Tippett marks it Even when he, he wasn't there last week But he was still bombing it in somewhere to where, where he should be But I'm not, I'm not confident But as a one-eyed Swans fan I'll, I'll tip us to win But ugh, pressure's on um, Yeah, it's all on Hawthorne Nothing to lose for us We've already got a premiership last year mm. Alright, Messenger oh, your pitch, Matt. Well, Hawthorne played a, a slightly different style than they normally would. The one they took one uh, ruckman up to Sydney, and David Hale played uh, uh, second his usual second ruck role as first ruck, and was uh, not so ably assisted by Matt Spanger uh, in the ruck. They had a couple. There were a couple light, and we're hoping that Guerra and Rioli will be available. Uh, I don't think Liam Shields is going to get up. His fitness base is probably too far gone at this time of season to make it. Um, I would think, from Hawthorne's point of view, the most important thing is that they need to win that inside ball. If Sydney really start to dominate there, they can get it out the back, and, and when the spread's on, that's where Hawthorne's at its weakest. Um, obviously, we are uh, victim to the biannual Lance Franklin brain fade. Uh, this weekend getting suspended um, and it does put greater focus on Ruffhead. Having said that, uh, our record in the last 14 games that Buddy has missed is with 13-1, and one, so we can win without him. Uh, Jack Gunston usually uh, is the beneficiary of Franklin not being in the team and, and his uh, role as that second marking option is going to be very important. Unfortunately, it does, uh, as uh, Swan's rule said, slide all the all the defenders across. So Roughhead gets the best guy, and, and Gunston gets the next one after that. Um, Brian Lake is going to be vital. Uh, I think Jesse White probably uh, got his number on Friday night, and we we 
with Brian Lake, you get good Brian or bad Brian. I think bad Brian showed up in Sydney on Friday night. But having said that, Brian Lake has been very, very good this year. And in general, in general for the big games, he stood up. So I'd be anticipating seeing good Brian at the MCG on Friday night. I think Spanger will stay. We need the height, particularly if White plays as well as Tippett. Um, but uh, it's those midfield rotations. And the question is, how, how deep can we rotate? Savage has probably his form slipped a little bit. Brad Hill, I think, has some uh, question marks over him about finals football and his form has slipped too. But um, Jed Anderson has been uh, a really good late inclusion and I, I would be quite surprised if he didn't keep his role, so keep his position. So I would think from that point of view, we're probably looking at whether Taylor DeRay could come back and whether you play him in the same side as Guerra. Uh, Max Bailey will certainly be back, so we'll play a two-ruck combo and, and allow Hale to to get forward and uh, and help Roughhead out with some marking options uh, down there. So, look, it's uh, Hawthorne are not nearly their best. This isn't the same Hawthorne team that arrived in the finals in 2012. They've been playing in third and fourth gear for a lot of the year. But as uh, Swans rule said, they've been able to put bursts of 10 or 15 minutes together and win games, and, and I think that might be what we see. I think it's going to be close, but I, I think Hawthorne will get up by two, maybe three goals. All right, quick comments and questions, guys, from the neutrals. Uh, firstly, for me, uh, Swans, do you reckon you've got space to carry um, um, a taller forward line? into the finals? Do you think it works if you've got Pike and Mumford and um, White down there? Um, I think, I don't know if you've watched much of us, but, but Jesse White, when Tippett plays, sometimes pushes in and even starts on the wing um, and then runs around trying to get the ball that way, which he's done to effect against the lesser sides. It, it hasn't quite worked against, the, against Collingwood, for example, but I think um, the problem has been against the, in the Collingwood and Geelong games in particular, our delivery, delivery forward has been non-existent. We've had like Melbourne-like inside 50 numbers, I think, in the 30s. And when they are in there, they're just bombs away, hoping that Tippett can mark it. So I, I think um, we can carry the, the tall forward line if we use it properly and the midfielders take time and lower their eyes and get the delivery right, hit the players on the lead. But if we bomb it in there like we have against um, Geelong and Collingwood in particular, it, it won't matter who's there, tall or small, we, it won't work. But I think it works fine. We haven't really got many other options anyway with um, the current list as it is. Right, anyone else? What's the chance of seeing Goods and Sam Reid in September this year? Uh, Sam Reid's done for the season. He injured himself at training again. And Longmire said today that Goods would run next week, which means the earliest he could be back would be the preliminary final which means he'll be back from no football since the Port game, which I think was round 12. So he hasn't played yeah, since yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've seen what he can do on one knee against Hawthorne last year, so maybe we'll just throw him out there, bandaged up, and see what he can do, if, if we make the prelim, of course. All right, Hawthorne v Sydney. Who's going to win, guys? I'll say Hawks by a small margin, 12 to 13 as well. Yep. Anyone else going to disagree with that? Uh, I'll say Sydney by a point. I heard of Sydney. Oh, it's a lot yep. of pressure. I want to. I want to tip Sydney. I, I really do. But um, there's just a couple of. They need a couple of players back, and 
Hawthorne have so much to play for, but all, all the pressure's on them. So, But I think they've they've looked like they're just going to tough out every game this year and um, Hawthorne just in a very close one. Yeah, Hot Pies, you said Sydney? Yeah, I think Sydney's going to get up uh, by a point. They came pretty close to beating them last week um, and they're going to have a few handy inclusions this week um, in Tippett and Hanabury. So I think they're going to... Yeah, I think they're going to finish him off this week. Looks like we're fairly evenly split on this one, guys. Um... There, there was a Hawthorne supporter on the main board uh, saying Hawthorne are going out in uh, straight sets, so that, that almost convinced me. <laughs> uh, I think it might, might have been Ian, one of Ian Henke's leftover accounts, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, th- I think it's going to be a close game, but uh, I'm hoping the Swans win. I think the Hawks will win. I'm only hoping the Swans win because I have to talk to Messenger again next week and uh, that'll be funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've got no real, no real hatred or dislike for either of the sides, but uh, yeah, it'd, it'd be nice for another Swans. Back. I, like, I like the Swans to win again. So, Anyway. Uh, Enough on, of sorry, Messenger? Enough of that. Get on. <laughs> uh, the third final being played this weekend is between Port Adelaide and Collingwood, and we have two gentlemen here to discuss that game. Uh, last time they played was in round 14. Port Adelaide 13-8-86 defeated Collingwood 7-9-51 at Amy Stadium. They have not met at the MCG this year. In fact, for some years. Um, if ever. No, no, I know they played. 2007, I think. Yeah, so... Um, Last time they played in Victoria, Collingwood 14-13-97 defeated Port Adelaide 10-13-73 at Etihad in round four, 2012. Um, guys, we've got Hot Pies with Sauce from Collingwood. We've got Russell Ebert Handball from Port Adelaide. Um, and we'll let uh, Hot Pies with Sauce go. He's the new guy here. And uh, you've got five minutes, mate, to make your case. So let's go. Um, well, I think the last time we met in a final was in like 2003, so quite a while ago, but um, they went in as heavy favourites. I think they were, uh, I think they finished minor premiers that year and we managed to beat them, so hopefully I'm I'm looking for a similar sort of result to that. But uh, I was at the game at Amy Stadium earlier this season and, and to be honest, I was, I was scared. Um, not just because I was trapped in the middle of a horde of toothless Port Adelaide Bogans who at any moment they could have raised their eyes from their smuggled flask of Jim Beam and, and taken offence at me at being there but but because Port looked seriously good and they had dismantled Sydney in a similar fashion just the week earlier so that tells me if Port can play at their best then they can uh, definitely win this game so our plan needs to be to keep them from playing at their best and the way we can do that is um, it's by taking advantage of their lack of finals experience. And I think, I think the Port list has something um, like between 40 and 50 finals games total between them on their list, while Collingwood has it in the hundreds. So no matter how much their coaches try to drum it into them, until that whistle is blown, their young list, which is the third youngest in the AFL, they're not going to know what to expect. And not only that, but their team is... It's not used to playing in front of crowds the size that'll be at the MCG on Saturday night. I think Port played in front of 40,000 last weekend and, and they thought that was a, a big crowd. Look, the last time only 40,000 turned up to a Collingwood game, it was because they were handing out the stimulus package at Centrelink. So 
you know, we play in front of big crowds and Port, if, if there's any sign when this whistle blows that the youngsters on that Port list are going to look overawed, we need to take advantage of that. We need to pull down their nappies and we need to spank their asses in a way that will make the 2007 grand final look like a nice friendly match. All right, uh, Russell Ebert Hamble, your your case, one. Uh, I think this is the old classic game of the uh, the best midfields. Um, Collingwood have a better forward line than us. Um, you know, Cloaks, one of the two or three dominant big men, and you've got a couple of fast little guys. Um, uh, Blair uh, is Elliot playing this week, or did he miss last week? We we struggle with small fast forwards. We seem to have a problem with that part of. Uh, what, uh, if you look at Yaron, Garlett and Betts all contributed last week. Ballantyne and Walters made us look stupid uh, the week before. So we've, we've got to watch them. Um, you know, the usual suspects for, for Collingwood are the ones we've got to watch. Pendlebury, Swan, Beam, Harry O'Brien running through the middle. They'll, they'll, they'll potentially cut us up. we got to look to our midfield. Um, here's a little stat for you this year. Um, we've never lost in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games where Hartlett's got the ball 25 times or more this year. Now, admittedly, that's not been against uh, the tops, anyone inside the eight. Um, but him, him coming back and hopefully his shoulders all right after clashing heads with young Mr. Tape uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's going to be okay. And he's him, Wingard. Gray and Boke are our keys in the midfield. Everybody else has got to do their best. And the guy I'm looking forward to seeing playing is Jay Schultz up forward, playing his first final after 11 or 12 years in the system. And for almost the second half of this year, he's been playing pretty much on the wing, um, spent a lot of time on the wing. And AFL Insiders a couple of weeks ago had his um, heat, what's it called, the heat shield or heat? Um, Heat map, that's it. And they showed that the second half of the year he's spent a lot more. I'd like to see him play deep. And um, I don't know, I've got a funny feeling he could kick six or seven in, in, in the final if he uh, plays a little bit deeper and Westhoff helps him out. Unfortunately, we're not going to have a third tall. We might play two Ruckman. We played Renouf, um, but that was a last-minute inclusion because Gray left out. I I think it'll be a bit of a games played. Uh, if Grundy and Hudson or Grundy and Jolly play, we might go with two Ruckman. Personally, I'd like to leave Jack Homshin and he can play. He can sort of help Carlisle out with Cloak. And Trengove, a few of our wins, sort of last-minute wins, Trengove's gone into the Ruck and actually because he's been a little bit fresher than the Ruck, the opposition Ruckman who's rucked all day. He's actually out-jumped them and got important taps. So I, I personally would drop Renouf keep Homsch to allow um, Jackson Trengrove to maybe play five, ten minutes in the ruck each quarter. Um, obviously not my call, but um, we're, we'll bring back in <coughs> Carlisle, Gray and Hartlett and probably Mitchell or Need will come in as the sort of sub, as the fast, quick little sub. So like most games of football, win the clearances and win more of the centre battles and I think we can just get over the top of Collingwood but if we don't stop Pendlebury and Swan and Beams if they cut us open then uh, you know I can see a 5, 6, 8 goal win to Collingwood Alright, over to the neutrals questions, comments, thoughts Well I like hot pies with sauce uh, commentary about the experience there and I'm, I was really thought this was a danger game for um, 
Collingwood, but I think the finals experience is really going to play into their hands, and and I'm going to go Pies by a quite a large margin, probably about five or six goals. Yeah. Anyone else? I I think this is a this says upset written on it. I think Porter they've certainly slipped in form over the last few weeks, but Collingwood's form line is is nothing exceptional, and uh, I think there's an upset on the cards here. They they'll play with uh, no fear Port I reckon they could get up by a few here as much as I I dislike like Collingwood um, and obviously I I, you know I I mentally I can't get my head around uh, uh, voting for them in any circumstance uh, they're probably a better side than Port Adelaide but Port Adelaide are the good news story of the year really like they've come from nowhere they've done some good things and I would hope that they can win so I'm hoping Port Adelaide. I think Collingwood will win, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's unfortunately how that that'll play out. Too many finals hardened players. Collingwood will win by eight goals. Yeah, there's a lot of experience there, and I, for what I, I think Collingwood's midfield is is streets ahead of Port Adelaide's at the moment. That's but anyway. Sorry, Ari. Yeah, well, they got they, they got the runs on the board in terms of experience. They played so much more finals. Those key players. Yep. And, uh, sorry, just before we move on, uh, the AFL Coaches Association Awards, uh, Scott Pendlebury has uh, won it ahead of Gary Ablett and Joel Selwood, if you're wondering. Mm. Uh, Very deserving winner. Pendlebury by a vote ahead of Gary Ablett, apparently. So. Wow. And two votes ahead of Joel Selwood. Kieran Jack came in fourth. Wasn't uh, Ablett about 15 votes up about four or five weeks ago when I last looked at it? <laughs> Probably. All right, moving on to the last uh, finals game, the big one, as uh, the, the Richmond folk are referring to it. Um, there are no Richmond people here, so this is going to be a rather short preview. ODN um, is going to make the case for Carlton. Um, and uh, me, me, of course, being strictly into barrel racing and not football. <laughs> what, what are you doing, Russell? Somebody, somebody drawing a bath. R.E.H. Are you, are, you eating, are you eating chips or Sorry something? Someone's trying to make a case for uh, Carlton there. Luxuriating <laughs> <laughs> in a bubble bath. All right, here we go. Um, on to the last game uh, for this week's round of finals, and it's Carlton v. Richmond at the MCG. Um, the game's already sold out. It is a huge game for the Tigers, who haven't made a final since 2001. Um, guys, uh, yeah, last time they met Carlton actually won. It's one for one this year. Odeon's going to make the case for the Blues. Um, if someone wants to nominate themselves to make the case for the Tigers, go ahead. But, um, Odeon, over to you. Yeah, look, um, there's no doubting that Richmond have the form and the confidence um, in comparison to Carlton this year. It's been a fairly disappointing season, largely by Carlton, uh, very inconsistent. But we're in it, and you've got to be in it to win it now. Looking at uh, looking ex- at experience, Richmond have 17 games of final ex- finals experience, all with different teams. Uh, Carlton have 92 games of finals experience in the in the sides likely to line up. Um, Carlton are looking at Judd, possibly McLean and Scotland coming back into their side. Now, there's no doubting there's a a fair bit of experience here. I don't think we can afford to carry three players that are coming off injuries, Uh, but Judd seems the most likely to come back, and that's that's no small in. 
uh, it was good to see on Saturday that um, Yaron and Gibbs and Murphy hit their strides, their stride and uh, um, found a bit of form, albeit only for the last sort of quarter and a half of the game. But, you know, if they go into the final with ta- having taken confidence out of that, that's, that's going to be another big win for us. Um, it's defensively Richmond um, statistically are a lot better than Carlton. Uh, I think it's important that um, Henderson stays back uh, with Jamison because uh, obviously Jamison will play on Rewald. Vickery gives us a lot of trouble. Um, I don't know if he gives any other sides trouble, but he certainly does with Carlton. Uh, so I think Henderson staying back is a must, but that's reliant on uh, Jared Waite. Um, actually, you know, Jared Waite and, and, and Levi Casbolt, hopefully, um, forming a decent combination up forward. That's where we're going to struggle um, and we need to get the ball to ground and we need the likes of uh, Bet- Betts and Garlett to actually find some form themselves because they've been very up and down and uh, Richmond has some good um, defenders, the likes of Morris and uh, when Conga goes back and Delidio helps out down there, makes it very hard for our small forwards. So... Um, uh, we've got the inform Ed Kerno who will probably play on Trent Cotchin and I think he'll do a good job. Um, he's, he's one of the best, uh, one of the biggest tanks in the AFL, in my opinion. Um, good news, uh, Bootsma probably won't be playing on Rewald and probably won't be playing, playing at all this time around. Um, so um, I'm hoping that uh, Richmond will have a few nerves and that they won't get the good early start they did in round 21 against us. Um, we have... Robinson and Bell, the Bash, the Bash brothers, who've come back into the side as of round 21 uh, and showing a, a lot of steel. They're really adding something. We're getting a lot of... Um, they're smashing people in tackles. They, when, they, when they hit, that really hurts. And um, uh, we're, we're sort of putting our opponents off the game. So that's really... So what I'm trying to say is hard at, hard at the ball, hard tackling. Richmond, I note, have said this week they've got to tackle more and they've got to be more aggressive because they, they aren't a big tackling side. Um, they do like their uncontested un- possessions uh, and that's an area where a team can catch us, catch us out. But they're going to take a bit of a leaf out of our book and, and try to tackle a little bit more than they usually do and, um, and make it a physical contest. So, um, look, uh, Ruck's a big issue for us. Uh, Cruiser, we cannot keep... Cruiser, Warnock, and Casbolt in the same side. Um, Cruiser's only just come back in after injury, and he hasn't been very. He hasn't been crash hot of late. Um, but um, I'm still hoping that it's probably Warnock that makes way, and Cruiser comes in as our first first ruck because he's not a tall forward. He really struggles to get his hands on the ball when you when you play him forward. Um, and um, I'd rather Casbolt in there as that second forward rather than carry the, both the Ruckman. So, um, yeah, um, it, it's uh, it, it's going to come down to it's going to come down to our forward line be, being able to beat Rance and Chaplin and Morris and the like. Um, but we've I've noticed out of our last five games, we've only scored under a hundred once, and that was ninety five. So we you know, they. they we do tend to be able to score against Richmond and having won 11 of our last 12 games, uh, we're going to go in with a fair bit of confidence. All right. Um, does anyone want to have a crack at it from the Richmond perspective? No. I don't want to really have a crack, but it's interesting your last uh, comment there, Dean, because I was thinking as you were talking that 
Um, I haven't seen a lot of Richmond the last eight weeks or so, but the thing that when they've played well is that their defensive has played really well. And it uh, uh, sounds like that you guys have, um, in, in the past, even this year, uh, have sort of gotten on top of their defence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wasn't um, wasn't that aware myself, but just uh, just having a look at look at it, um, uh, we've we've kicked some really big scores. They're generally fairly well shootouts against Richmond, um, but um, it was only uh, round eighteen last year that we we and that was with when we had half a side in and we beat them with the McLean kick uh, in the last minute of play. Um, we 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 kicked. Um, Scored ninety five that day, but other than that, um, even even this year, the two times we played them, we've scored scored over a hundred. So um, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. There there are a couple of hundred points to the better of us defensively um, this year. Um, so well, we just seem to be one of those sides that can uh, can get through them. All right, the Richmond um, the Richmond preview on their board uh, makes the following case. Uh, First and foremost, Richmond can get a hold of Carlton in the clearances, in particular scores from stoppages, which the Tigers are ranked first outright in the AFL. Their midfielders have hit the scoreboard hard this year. Dustin Martin, Daniel Jackson, Reese Conker, Trent Cochin, Brett Deledio, Brandon Ellis and Matthew White have a combined total of 90 goals kicked between them for the season. These six players have kicked 28.93% of Richmond's total goals, uh, showing how potent the Richmond fielders are around goals and goal side of contests. The Tigers are also ranked second in the AFL for denying the opposition the football, with the uh, Tigers averaging 26.3 disposals per game, more than the opposition. With the Tigers content to take the easy option and chip it around, it restricts the damage the Blues can do to the Tigers, especially form players such as Kate Simpson, Bryce Gibbs and Mark Murphy, whose foot skills can carve up the opposition if given time and space. By denying the Blues the football, it means that the Tigers can control the tempo of the game and restrict Carlton from driving into their forward 50 to their key forwards, who are capable of taking contested marks in Casbolt and Henderson. Uh, Carlton's backline can also be exposed by quick ball movement and rebounding. This was evident in our clash a few weeks ago in the first quarter, where we spread from the contest and ran and carried the ball and managed to convert that to scoreboard damage as the Blues' defence crumbled under the pressure. With players such as Trent Cochin, Brett Deledio, Dustin Martin, Brandon Ellis, Reese Conker and Bashar Hooley all capable of breaking the lines. If these players can get a run on and carry the ball, the Tigers will be able to impact heavily on the scoreboard. Uh, the Tigers can get hold of Carlton by exploiting the Blues' own game plan, or rather Mick Malthouse's game plan. The Blues have a penchant for taking the ball down the boundary line in typical Mick Malthouse fashion. Um, so that's more or less what it says. They, they, if they can get the ball, they can keep it off with more or less. That's a really good point that I want to, that I probably should have raised. Um, we have done a lot better this year when we've been getting behind by five, six goals on a couple of occasions this year. The way we've got back into it is going back to our old game plan and uh, a little bit of run and gun going forward of the ball, quick ball movement, and not going down the uh, down the boundary line anymore. I, I, I think we we might still go around the boundary and create those contests uh, early on, uh, being a final uh, and turning it into a bit of an arm wrestle early on. Um, but if it's not working for us, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Mick will allow us to go to our, I guess, our instinctive uh, game plan that we probably had you know, last year and the year before uh, a little bit earlier um, than, than he's allowed us to 
so far. Um, we, we just seem to have so much more confidence. It can backfire on us. If we're already six goals down and we do it, we, we, we're taking a risk of getting blown away by more. Um, but uh, I think they showed something on... Um, um, oh, uh, what do you call it? Inside... Um, on Fox, on Foxy, um, they showed something showing weight and uh, Garlitz and um, Gibbs and so forth going forward of the ball when uh, Port sort of still had control. So it was one of those, it, it is a high-risk strategy. Um, um, so if we're going to employ it, uh, I'd rather employ it when we're still within touching distance and not already six goals down. I think that's the irony of the uh, Richmond thing. They might beat us with Mick Malthouse's plan. I'm not sure if they'll beat us with Brett Ratton's plan. Anyway, <laughs> it's a good point. Well, from my point of view, I've seen um, a couple of Carlton games this year, and it actually looks like they've got a game plan that works, but they don't have the cattle to do it. The amount of times I've seen um, guys just sort of fading away or not being able to go through with the full four quarters of football, I just wonder if there's any you know, fitness issues with Jard and McLean, if they're actually going to play or if they go down the path of having to play Warnock, you know, it's a shame they don't have the cattle because I reckon they could actually challenge Richem if they um, had a full fit and available squad out there. Uh, apparently Judd will more than likely play from what we're hearing. Um, it's unlikely that McLean will, though. Um, and whether Scotland gets a Guernsey's up, up for debate, but Judd is almost a certainty, apparently. Yeah, there's, there's been some discussion on our board about whether... I've mentioned late quarter um, fade-outs and... Um, our fourth quarters haven't been great this year, but uh, and, and I, I had somebody argue the point that it's not because of our fitness, and I, I think it's more the mixed game plan is a little bit more taxing. Uh, it's not that we're necessarily not as fit as other sides. It just requires uh, it, his game plan requires more fitness than a lot of other sides' game plans. So, um, yeah, if we can if we can mix it up a little bit and be, become a little bit more instinctive and use the corridor, much like Geelong used to do, where they, they'll, they'll head to the outside, but if something's free on the inside, they'll, they went straight in. The, you know, it was a rule to go and look inside wherever possible. Um, I'm hoping that we um, it's a final. You have got nothing to nothing to lose. Uh, there's no it's no point in uh, you know, worrying about percentage. So. Um, um, Maybe maybe it'd be a little bit more instinctive because we've got some real X Factor players here, and if you can get the likes of uh, um, Zach Tui and uh, Chris Yaron running through the middle off halfback, uh, and, and Walker, uh, and using those guys looking on the inside because they certainly get space on their opponents. All right, neutral observers, who's going to win? I'm, I'm the resident Richmond booster on this podcast, and I, I'm very impressed with them. And I think they they move the ball very well. They're quick. I think the Tigers. I reckon Carlton might have uh, spent all their uh, petrol tickets beating Port last week. Anyone else? Yeah, I'm going to jump on the Richmond Richmond bandwagon here. I think um, I'd like Carlton to win just to. Uh, be ironic that a team that was placed ninth knocks Richmond out of the finals. Um, a bit of poetic justice there, but I really think that um, Richmond will come through with the goods with a, a good last quarter breakaway win, 20, 30 points. Yeah, as long as um, Rewalt plays, then I will tip Richmond by about five goals, and whoever wins will just be cannon fodder next week anyway, so who cares? Alrighty, so uh, um, apparently uh, Carlton and Port Adelaide will be missing next week. <laughs> If, if these guys are anything to go by. Guys, that's the end of our footy previews for this uh, week. Um, 
we're going to move on very rapidly. Chief's going to assassinate me at the rate we're going. Uh, nowhere near his 30-minute time frames, really. It's, 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 it's finals extravaganza. No, nowhere near it, apparently. <laughs> so we're going, to, uh, we're going to finish the way we always do with uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? And take it away, Messenger. I am looking forward to going to the MCG on Friday night and seeing the Hawks finally click into top gear finals time. Yep. Well, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. <laughs> okay. And uh, ODM, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, look, it's just finals intensity. It's just, it's just something in the air, you know. It's a, it's a good time of year and uh, and it's nice if your team's in it, you know, even if only for a few more days. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, got to love September. Seppo, what are you looking forward to, Matt? Um, oh, an exciting trip down to Geelong. Hopefully, uh, I actually want to see a couple of upsets. It's a week where you can make a case for um, the outsider in each game, and I just want to see a round of upsets. I'd love to see all four, um, you know, Swans, Frio, uh, Carlton and Port all get up just to really mix up these finals. It would be glorious to knock uh, Collingwood and Richmond out in the first round, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend. Um, Swans what are you looking forward to mate? Um, apart from hopefully the Swans beating Hawthorne I have a bit of a soft spot for the Tigers so I'm looking forward to seeing those long suffering fans have something to cheer about even if it's just running through the banner in a final but yeah I'm looking forward to that game the most Okay, and Russell Ebert Hamble what are you looking forward to this weekend uh, returning to the MCG, I went uh, to watch us play Melbourne in round one and saw a transformation uh, of our side from last year, then ducked off and saw Bruce Springsteen at uh, Hanging Rocks. That was a great weekend. So I'm looking forward to going back to the MCG, seeing us transform again and win a final, and um, maybe next, play again next week. Okay, Russell Ebert, ha- no, not Russell Ebert, Hot Pies with Sauce, what are you looking forward to? Uh, well, apart from um, seeing the Pies win their first uh, game of their next four wins in a row, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Carlton go out in the first round and uh, seeing Mick blame the process in the uh, in the press conference and maybe reduce a journalist of two to tears. <laughs> oh, the player is not adhering to the process, you mean? That's that's right. The player is not adhering to the process. <laughs> I, I forgot one thing. I am uh, looking forward to the Grog Squad. Uh, the Richmond supporters going nuts. Win or lose, I'll go nuts. <laughs> it says, someone would be uh, wise to have a discount sale on microwaves at the end of the weekend, in my own opinion. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's, it's going to be a massive weekend of finals footy. It's great to get to this time of the year, and it's only tempered by the knowledge that footy season is coming to a close. Thank you very much to the new guys for coming on tonight, Hot Pies with Sauce and Russ uh, and uh, Swans Rule. Thank uh, you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming back, Russell Ebert, Handball, and Seppo. No worries, thank you. And thanks to SJ for coming to us from the Middle East. Um, Even though it says he's online, I believe he's actually gone. And uh, thanks to the regular guys, Messenger, ODN. It's been a good year. It's been a good home and away season. Thank you for coming on for the first week of the finals. Pleasure. May it continue. And thanks to Chief. (laughs) Thanks to Chief for... um, uh, for uh, uh, taking providing up bar- a barrel of laughs. That's right, taking up barrel riding or barrel racing or I don't know, going over Niagara Falls in a barrel or whatever the hell he's doing this week. Um, and guys, we'll see you all on the forums. Hello.